Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Women, sex, and terrorism. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol Lieberman, your terrorist therapist. And yes, those are not words that you usually hear together, women, sex, and terrorism. But I have a very interesting podcast for you today. <laughs> um, we're going to be talking about, in the, in the first segment, we're going to be talking about this woman who um, lured a man, bit a man on plenty of fish and um, lured him to a hotel room and then took out her revenge for the Americans having killed Soleimani in 2020. So I will tell you about that. That's a very interesting story. Then um, in the second segment, we're going to be talking about uh how women in syria the um isis women are forcing young teen boys to have sex with them so that they can get pregnant and make more isis jihadis and then in the last segment um i do a kind of roundup of some of the things that have been happening in terrorism recently um and the point of that segment is to show you that although in America, you know, you would hardly know from the mainstream media that there is such a thing as terrorism still going on in the world. But really, um, there are uh, it, there are things happening all over the world every single day. And we cannot forget that, not lose sight of that, um, and because we are still in danger. And this is going to become more evident as uh, time goes by. Okay, so once upon a time, there was this young woman named Nika Nakubin, Nikobin, 22 years old. She's a Muslim. She was born in Iran. She came to the United States when she was about 12 years old in 2012. And she had these dreams of becoming a musical star. Um, on March 5th, 2022, she and this young man who she had, uh, lured to a hotel in Las Vegas had sex. Um, and she put a, she turned off the lights and she was on top of him. She turned off the lights. She put a blindfold on him. And she opened up her purse. This is presumably after they had sex. Um, it's not presumably. I mean, that's what the reports say, that they did have sex first. And then uh, she took a knife out of her purse and she stabbed him twice in the neck. Now, he didn't die. Uh, but he, when she was done with that, he somehow managed to get out from under her and called 911. And the people came to the, the authorities came, the police came to the hotel room that they were in and, um, and, you know, got him medical help. And then she was found, and there are videos of this. She was found uh, naked in, with a, a towel or a bed sheet wrapped around her. And she actually confessed to the people who found her what she had done. She explained that, um, that she, you know, was out to get revenge uh, on an American man for the, for, for America having killed uh, an Iranian leader, Soleimani, a major, uh, a major Iranian leader, military leader. And that was in 2020. 
So um, she said she didn't plan to kill him. Um, she only wanted to injure him. <laughs> but, you know, stabbing him in the neck with a rather large knife. I mean, fortunately, she didn't kill him. But obviously, if she would have hit the carotid arteries, um, she would have easily killed him. Now, she was brought to trial. Uh, she was charged with attempted murder with the use of a deadly weapon with because of certain actual or perceived characteristics of a person, meaning that he was American, and two counts of battery. And then there were some other counts added that I will tell you about. Um, you have to be careful these days when you go on dating websites. You never know uh, who the other person might be. Um, let's see. So now she was, she, she's a very, she obviously has psychiatric problems. In fact, uh, for her trial, uh, well, for her arrest and charges and so on, her hearings, she was diagnosed by some psychiatrists as being paranoid and as being likely to have uh, risky behaviors towards herself or others. I would say that that was a fair diagnosis. <laughs> Uh, she doesn't have any connection to a terrorist organization that they were able to find, at least at this point. And um, she uh, she lives in Dallas. She went to UCLA, went to college at UCLA, and then she went to Vegas. And she said she lived in Vegas for a time, you know, when this when this event occurred. And then she went back to Texas. Now. Um, there are some interesting quirks about this woman, as you might imagine. Um, she, she is, in fact, also she was, uh, she was found at her hearing that she was a danger to the community. Um, now, when the people asked her, the authorities asked her when she was naked and in this bedsheet, why she did what she did, she said, I guess out of spite and revenge. Uh, she was asked, what do you mean by that? Like, why? I mean, the U.S. killed Soleimani. Lots of blood spilled. So I feel like it's fair that American blood be spilled. I don't know. I just felt like somebody on American soil should die because he also died. Now, here she's saying she didn't mean to kill him. And, and yet, after the fact, she's telling this officer, um, I felt like somebody on American soil should die because he also died. So she is rather mixed up. <laughs> um, she does these songs. There are videos, you know, on YouTube. Uh, she goes by a different name on YouTube. But um, she has this one song where it's talking about that she has no money and she wants to marry a man from Bel Air, which is a, a um, expensive part of Los Angeles. Um, she talks about buying clothes, fancy clothes that she wears, and then she brings it back to the store. She saves the tag on the clothes and she brings it back to the store and um, and returns it and gets her money back. Then in this song, she talks about get your five, get your 10, get your 50 out. You know, it's almost like being a prostitute asking men for money. Um, now, now, when she went back to Texas, um, the police in Texas, and she started to go to a school to finish college or to, to go to further education in Texas. And um, the police in Texas said that they were never made aware that she was supposed to be under house arrest. And she left home several times. She was making more music videos. Now, the question is, you know, the court in Vegas, obviously, or in Nevada, obviously were very lax about this whole thing. They, I mean, even just letting her out of jail in the first place when she, it was attempted murder, right? Um, and she just, you know, goes back to Texas. Nobody's paying attention to her. And the question is, was this simple negligence on the behalf, on the part of the court or the fear of appearing Islamophobic um, by letting her go back without any real uh, making it clear to anybody in Texas that there were these restrictions on her. I mean, obviously, she is still a danger uh, and may well be meeting more men on these on these uh, apps, dating apps. Now, um, 
you know, I can tell already, this is probably going to be, um, we're probably going to be talking about her into the, uh, into the second segment as well. Well, I'll see. Anyhow, I, because I want to tell you all about her. Um, she, she has another video that she made, uh, talks about her lust for an astronaut. Um, she, she, um, let's see. She made a video. Now, this is while she's in Texas and going out, you know, not on house arrest and going out and making music videos. And she's wearing all kinds of costumes, you know, um, sort of outlandish costumes. And she doesn't have a great voice. Um, the, <clears throat> the words are bizarre. The, her name on the YouTube channel is Nika, N-I-K-A, Baruj, B-O-R-O-U-J, uh, if that is still up. And um, she this uh, this other video music video says uh, she says I don't want a boyfriend I just need a spaceman and there's a picture of an astronaut up in the sky who swings onto the scene she some of this she does out in the street so again you know flaunting the fact that she's not on home arrest um, the words are i don't want a boyfriend i just need a spaceman who can get me higher flying in the basement take you out my sunrise and an astronaut between my thighs okay um so so she went to um she's going to the university of texas um but when she was while she was there, somebody wanted to do a story about her, somebody from the media, whether it was the student, you know, newspaper or um, regular media wanted to do a story on her. And so they did some investigation. And that is how they discovered that she was the woman who in Vegas attacked this man. And so that brought her to the attention of the of the authorities at the college. And they decided that. Um, well, they contacted the court, you know, to uh, find out the details. And when they found out that she was supposed to be on house arrest, they then, um, uh, you know, said that she could, she was banned from campus. Um, but, but her, it turns out that her father is a, a, a professor at the campus. And so, um, I mean, this is the latest news on her that she's that she's banned from the um, University of Texas at Dallas, and um, she was a business major there, business administration, and um, she let's see, she's been on house arrest since the summer of 2022. She her trial is going to be coming up soon in Nevada in July 2023. Um, she started attending University of Texas in Dallas in the spring of 2023. Um, so like just, just recently. Um, and so she was reported to security when they discovered who she was. <laughs> and um, and she's living in, in Frisco, Texas with her parents. She's allowed to continue with her courses online. Her father is a um a U a, a Tex University of Texas Dallas engineering professor. Um presumably that's her father, Taraj Nikubin. Nikubin. Um and what yes, because while she was on campus, she would stay stay at her father's office. So that's why she got special dispensation because her father's a professor there. Um and let's see, and uh, they found the records that say that she's a danger to the community. Um, and so she's an aspiring singer and, you know, she, they, what they decided was that if she has, if she, by any chance she gets an actual gig where they would hire her to perform, they, she would have to ask the court if she could do that. I don't think they have to worry about that. The attack occurred at the Sunset Station Hotel and Casino in uh, Vegas. 
there are some other little interesting tidbits. Um, when she was an inmate, uh, she was, she, well, um, she was an inmate for a while while they were trying to decide, you know, while they were uh, giving her her sentence while they were, before she had the hearing where she got her sentence. Um, she talked about how she wanted revenge. She listened to a song called Grave Digger that gave her the motivation. And her charge was um, attempted murder, two charges of battery, and one charge of burglarizing a business. She was uh, released on bail, at, which was set at $60,000. Um, and now to, to talk about Suleimani, just to refresh your memory on who Suleimani was, he was an Iranian major general. He was the architect of Iran's strategy through the Middle East. Um, his body was identified by his ring when he was killed. He was killed during Donald Trump's presidency. And the um, Department of Defense statement read, at the quote, at the direction of the president, the U.S. military has taken decisive defensive action to protect U.S. personnel abroad by killing Soleimani, the head of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps, a U.S.-designated foreign terrorist organization. General Soleimani was actively developing plans to attack American diplomats and service members in Iraq and throughout the region. Um, the statement continued and said that Soleimani and his force quote, were responsible for the deaths of hundreds of American and coalition service members and the wounding of thousands more. He had orchestrated attacks on coalition bases in Iraq. And the statement concluded with, um, uh, concluded that the, that the U.S. airstrike, quote, was aimed at deterring future Iranian attack plans. Uh, he was called the shadow commander who was reshaping the Middle East. He was uh, dubbed uh, Iran's most revered military, revered military leader. And um, the West Point called him one of Iran's most popular living people. Um, so Soleimani had the blood of American soldiers on his hands. And so that is why this young woman wanted an American's blood on her hands, which undoubtedly she got. Um, and in 2008, Soleimani texted uh, U.S. military commander David Petraeus saying, quote, he controlled Iran's policy in Iraq and was outfoxing the Americans. So now we had a foxy lady <laughs> lure a young man to a hotel in Nevada and uh, she wanted to get back at America by taking his blood. Now, you know, um, I certainly hope that the University of Texas at Dallas and, and Texas in general is a little more careful in regard to um, paying attention to where she is and making sure that she follows the, the orders. I mean, some of the orders were that she should be home. She had a curfew that was supposed to be 6 p.m. and so on. So um, this woman is dangerous. There is no question. And first of all, she certainly needs psychiatric treatment. I'm a little surprised that the court didn't um, order her to attend or they might have. There is a mention about counseling, but I'm not sure whether the court made that a uh, condition of her being released on bail. It certainly should have. All right. I did finish it in this first segment. Um, and when we come back, I will talk about the ISIS women who are forcing young teen boys to impregnate them. That should be interesting as well. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking today about women, sex, and terrorism. We just talked about a woman, uh, an Iranian woman, who lured a man to a hotel room so that she could stab him in the neck, and um, which, by the way, is not a coincidence. That is something that is in the Quran. It mentions um, to stab the non-believers in the neck. 
And she has all kinds of delusions of grandeur um, that she's going to become a famous singer, star, um, you know, doing these music videos. <laughs> it, it is worth trying to find the music videos, which it's not that hard. Um, they are pretty outrageous. But she has other, um, she talked about other things or she has has said has alleged <laughs> um and she has a, a a linkedin profile too and she alleges all these different things uh, that she has done like while she was at ucla uh that she was a cheerleader uh somewhere or other and that she did um a lot of different you know she she was a very important person <laughs> when she was a student at ucla I'm not sure I believe all of this stuff, but you can read it and watch the videos and judge for yourself. Okay, now, now that was one woman. Now we go on to a number of women, uh, ISIS women who are in um, Syria. These are ISIS women who were caught or who surrendered. You know, these were wives uh, and girlfriends and widows of ISIS soldiers. And they are, they want to make more ISIS soldiers. Um, so they are forcing young teen boys to breed more jihadis by getting them to impregnate them in these Syrian camps. Now, um, you know, of course, some people are probably thinking, oh, wow, these lucky guys. But, you know, um, it really, it really does have, it is traumatic. Uh, for young men to be forced, you know, undoubtedly this is their first sexual experience, and to be forced um, to have sex with these women that is traumatic. So two boys have come forward. These were the first two boys, or the boys who the media have uh, interviewed. Two boys have come forward to claim that they were victims in a twisted plot run by ISIS women. These women forced at least 10, they, uh, they, as of now, they know of at least 10 young teen boys uh, who they forced to impregnate them, impregnate dozens of women in a detention center. They were you know, making them not just impregnate, impregnate one woman you know, at a time, or well, I guess it was one woman at a time, but... Um, but uh, it was several women, you know, in a day, in other words. So this, um, the men, the young men were Ahmet, who's 13, and Hamid, who's 14. And they said, we are being forced to have sex with the ISIS women to impregnate them. That's what they told a guard at Camp Al-Hol, which is in northeast Syria. And they said, can you get us out of here? So obviously they weren't having a lot of fun, even though some people might think at first look, lucky guys, right? Okay, so Camp Al-Hol is one of the detention centers in Syria that houses approximately 8,000 foreign ISIS-affiliated women and children who surrendered or were, or were captured as a result of the 2019 territorial defeat of the Islamic State also brought to you by President Trump. Um, while some of these women want nothing more to do with ISIS, others are really still dedicated to the caliphate. And they want to carry on ISIS's message and the Islamic rules, radical Islamic rules. And um, they are punishing other women who are renouncing ISIS and they are trying to indoctrinate the children who are born in the camp and whose countries continue to refuse to repatriate them. So in other words, in these camps, there are some women who do want to give up their beliefs in ISIS and give up having any connection to ISIS. But there are other women who are still diehard uh, ISIS fans, <laughs> um, believers, and they, these women who have refused to be voluntarily repatriated, some of them, some of the women are dying, to, literally dying to come back to their countries where they originally came from. 
and others are refusing to be repatriated because they're expecting and hoping that ISIS will come flower again and will come for them. And, um, you know, it'll be a... Uh, It'll be alive and well, and they'll be able to continue their work for ISIS. So, um, and so these women who um, are refusing voluntary repatriation for themselves uh, to their countries of origin, that allows them to also refuse repatriation for their children. Now, in these camps, housing boys who reach puberty is difficult. Um, and some of the boys were teen boys, are being transferred to detention facilities, were being transferred to detention facilities. But now there's a new policy and the boys are going to be transferred to rehabilitation centers, which essentially are centers where, um, you know, they will be, they will, there will be attempts to make them um, give up their radical Islamic beliefs. Now, um, so the mothers of these boys who, now that they're not going to detention facilities, but they're going to re re so-called rehabilitation centers, you know, to become good young men uh, without these radical Islamic beliefs, uh, they're the mothers of these boys who are still diehard ISIS women um, have been begging and and successfully raising money over apps like Telegram so that they can smuggle their sons out of the camp and into the hands of terrorists instead of letting them go to these rehabilitation centers. They don't want their boys to be rehabilitated. They want them to continue to be terrorists. So the two boys who came forward, Ahmet and Hamid, told the staff at this uh, rehab center called Orkesh that they were subject to sexual exploitation by a group of ISIS women. And they said that um, one of the boys, one of the boys said that he was forced to have sex with eight ISIS women in just a few days. That's what I was referring to. Not that, <laughs> of course, it's one woman at a time, but there were several women in just a few days. In other words, not one woman per teenager. Um, so this was, we're talking about Camp Al-Hol right now, and um, the women, the ISIS women at Camp Al-Hol told the teens that they wanted to get pregnant to increase the population of the Islamic State, which they believe is going to be reinstated when the fighters come and break them out of the camps. So there were at least 10 boys involved in this camp. And um, the uh, Syrian Defense Force went into the camp and tried to find the boys. And um, some of them were hidden by the women in underground tunnels. Can you believe that? <laughs> yes, I'm sure you can. Um, so they, they didn't want these boys to leave. They wanted them to keep, they wanted to keep having sex with them so that they had more chance of getting pregnant or, and that so that more women would have more chance of getting pregnant and so on. Now, there have been a lot of pregnancies, as you might imagine, in these camps, which is, should not be possible because the ISIS men have been held separately. So now some of the pregnancies may be the result of illicit relationships with guards, with the women and their guards, despite there being supposed safeguards against this. But other, other pregnancies are due to these teen boys who have been exploited. Um, now, some of the women, the ISIS women at Camp Al-Hol, try to hide what they're doing by giving birth without the help of the camp's official doctors. They um, ask detainees who are also doctors and nurses to help them. They try to give, give birth, you know, they try to hide their giving birth, which I would imagine isn't too easy in any case. Then there's also a camp called Al-Roj, um, they are doing this, the women there, the ISIS women are doing the same thing. Um, although there are fewer pregnancies that resulted there. Now, one of the boys in Camp Al-Rouge, who was um, exploited, ended up in the hospital 
because he collapsed after being given Viagra, a Viagra-like substance, to make him perform. Um, you know, especially when they want them to perform with lots of women. So um, now there are some women in this um, Al Roche camp who want to protect their sons from these women, <laughs> these predators. And so they beg the camp authorities to take their sons to rehabilitation centers. So it's really an interesting phenomenon going on in these camps. We have the women who are diehard ISIS women um, who, you know, are, are exploiting, make, turning these boys into sex slaves to get pregnant. And then there are the women who, who are, want to protect their sons and who don't want and who want to be um, repatriated back to their countries of origin and so on, who don't want anything more to do with ISIS, which kind of makes um, for a lot of a lot of dissension in these camps between the women, you know, between these two camps of women in the camps. Um, so let's see. Also, there are gangs of violent boys. You know, when the boys become um, teens, uh, they become some of the boys become violent, and um, there are, and they join gangs. And these are, gangs are organized by the pro-ISIS mothers, and they get the guys, the the boys, uh, the gangs of boys, to burn tents and patrol and harass women in the camps. And they keep them from, uh, there, are, there are efforts from um, non-governmental organizations, you know, the organizations that try to help the women in the camps, the families in the camps. But these women who are pro-ISIS mothers um, try to get these gangs of teen boys to, to go against, to disrupt any efforts to, um, to de-radicalize them and to de-radicalize the women. Now, um, in the in this um, Al Roj camp, that's the camp where the jihadi brides are that you might have heard of. I think I've talked about some of them in previous podcasts. Uh, Shamima Begum from Britain. He, she's been making a lot of news because she wants to be repatriated to Britain. And then the American Hoda Muthana. She has wanted to be repatriated to America. Um, the Al Hol camp. Um, let's see, has tens of thousands of women and children linked to ISIS. Uh, violence, exploitation, lawlessness is rampant there. Uh, and some of the women spend their days teaching their children the ISIS ideology because they think and they hope ISIS will rise again. Now, among the detainees at El Hol, there are some 2,000 foreigners whose home countries have refused to repatriate them, including about 800 Europeans. Um, at Al Hol, there are about 50,000 Syrians and Iraqis who are crowded into tents in the camp. Now imagine, I mean, that, we're talking about, this is a huge number of people who are kept, you know, under pretty horrible conditions in these camps. Now of these 50,000, 20,000 are children. Um, most of the rest are women, wives, and widows. Now then there's also a separate heavily heavily guarded section of El Hol known as the Annex. And in there, there are an additional 10,000 people, 2,000 women from 57 country, other countries. Uh, those are the most diehard ISIS supporters. And also, so it's 2,000 women and 8,000 of their children. 2,000 of these diehard women and 8,000 children. I mean, that's the point. They keep trying to breed. Now, um, well, I guess that is pretty much that is pretty much the story. 
And um, it's, you know, we, if we don't hear, when's the last time you heard some news about what's going on in these camps? Probably uh, not for a very, very long time. Well, um, now we're going to go into the third segment. Stay tuned. And I'm going to take you um, on a tour, <laughs> on a world tour, and just mention some highlights. I mean, this is not at all everything that is going on in the world that has to do with terrorists. But I just picked out some highlights to remind you that terrorists are very alive and well um, all over the world and very active in terms of they have not, I mean, they have been wanting for over a thousand years to take over the West and they have not stopped their plans. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking today about women, sex, and terrorism. See, I promised you that. <laughs> Maybe you thought I was kidding. <laughs> but no, this really was about uh, women, sex, and terrorism. And now this is more the terrorism part without the women and the sex in this third segment. Um, but, you know, obviously, uh, as the terrorist therapist, I spend a lot of time keeping track of what is happening all over the world in regard to terrorism, in regard to, you know, attacks and um, what different terrorist groups are doing. I mean, of course, we have Afghanistan, which is a disaster, uh, thanks to President Biden. And of course, it is a home for um, not only the Taliban, but ISIS and Al Qaeda. And they don't have American soldiers there, troops, to bother them as they're making further plans for attacks all over the world. And we have um, in America, you know, as uh, I've said in some earlier podcasts, particularly one that I did around 9-11, I talked about the 10 reasons why America is in more danger now than before 9-11, more danger of, of being attacked by terrorists. And um, some of the reasons for that are that um, there were tens of thousands of Afghans uh, imported, brought into America without any real vetting. And some of them, yes, helped American troops in Afghanistan, and they deserve to have been brought over into safety. But some of them just slipped through the cracks, and they have um, radical Islamic beliefs. And so they are now spread all over America. And, um, you know, we are, we, we're going to be seeing the uh, impact of that. I mean, we're going to be seeing, we're going to be seeing the impact of um, what is, it's going to be like what is happening already in Europe. And so I am particularly concerned with what is happening in Europe, because we need to look at that and try to learn from that. But so far, um, at least the, with the current administration, they are not learning anything. They are, you, you, it's like, what is a terror? Well, to the current administration, a terrorist is, um, is conservatives, not radical Islamists. So anyhow, so, you know, part of the thing besides like actual attacks, you know, bombs or knives or, or vehicle um, ramming, things like that, the, you know, things that we have seen terrorists do already, and not only in America, but in other parts of the world. But in addition to that, uh, in terms of the Afghans, because this is what's happening in Europe, um, there, it's a different mentality, it's a different culture. And in the, the culture that these people, the migrants in, into Europe come from, um, there is nothing wrong with having sex. Oh, I guess I, I did connect it to sex. Okay. <laughs> um, with having sex with young children. And so there are rapes going on all the time, all over Europe with not just of women, grown women, but also young children. And when these people get caught, they tell the police, well, you know, this is okay in my culture where I come from. It's okay to have sex with a nine-year-old. So that is, you know, we're going to be seeing that in addition to just the regular old 
uh, types of terror attacks, you know, the regular kinds of violence, bombs, and so on that I mentioned, um, the terrorists do. So I am very concerned that people in America um, have just, you know, forgotten about this threat, uh, especially with COVID, you know, we were worried about other things besides terrorists. And terrorists during COVID did go underground, but they weren't stopping plotting what they were going to do. And they weren't stopping learning how to make more bombs and different bombs and different, different kinds of weapons and so on. They just weren't out and about uh, doing attacks in the streets as much because people weren't in the streets as much. So I'm so in this next segment, what I'm going to just be giving you some highlights of things that are going on in the world. And um, just as a sort of cautionary tale. Okay, so in Switzerland, for example, there was a concert recently. Um, and the and there there were threats put on the internet um, that there was going to uh, that there was going to be a bomb or there was going to be some kind of an attack on this concert. Now it's it's just like what happened in England. Remember Manchester, England, uh, the Ariana Grande concert. There were terrorists who um, launched a bomb attack. And so now this was in Switzerland, and um, the um, this was in February that there was supposed to be this concert of a very popular uh, singer, a, a French rapper named Lompal, and he was supposed to perform. Um, and they uh, so a terrorist made terrorist threats online. Now he was 40 years old. I mean, they caught him actually. He's 40 years old and he um, had been reported by the French authorities. Uh, he wrote a message on a social media ne social network um, that was uh, taken as the threat of a terrorist act. And he does have links with terror jihadist networks. Now this concert, for Lampal had sold out. There were 8,500 people in attendance in the arena at the concert. So the first part of the concert went on without a hitch. And then there was this pause and the people were waiting and waiting and there was nothing. They waited for more than an hour and they didn't get any information. And then finally, um, they there was an announcement that said the concert is canceled and they were asked to leave the hall quietly. There was a lot of confusion, of course. People were rushing to collect their belongings and uh, some took nearly 30 minutes to leave the hall, you know, looking for their belongings. Not a smart move. Um, and once they got outside, they discovered that there was a large police force out there. There were vans, fire trucks, um, a, a brigade of, of, of first responders. And fortunately, nobody was hurt in the end. But, um, you know, needless to say, everybody was very frightened. Um, this was in Geneva. And so the whole, the whole arena was evacuated. And um, let me just see if there's anything else that I've Oh, you know, there had been, uh, in Geneva, there had been previous terrorist threats. Um, for example, in 2020, there was a cell of jihadists based in Geneva who plotted to bomb cisterns full of oil near the city's airport in a major terror attack. Um, and there were... There were other, let's see, more recently, a 29-year-old radical Islamic extremist was on trial in December, just past December, for stabbing a Portuguese man to death in Switzerland. And this man said, quote, I wanted to avenge the prophet. I chose my victim arbitrarily. It had to be an adult, a man. 
And then when he was, you know, he's been in jail, of course, in prison. And he told, um, that's what he told the police. But later when in prison, he said uh, that in, in prison, he realized that his actions were wrong and he expressed sadness for the victim's family. Yeah, right. Um, so they carried out a search of the concert venue and, um, you know, nobody, the bomb didn't go off. Um, and this, this cell that was planning to blow up the cisterns, this earlier uh, threat, uh, members of this cell had previously traveled to Syria, where they met with members of the Islamic State terrorist group and received weapons training. So, you know, so Switzerland is not, um, this is not the first time that there have been threats, serious threats. Now, France, France is a whole hotbed of terrorists. Um, there are, there are terrorists all over the place in France. It is so scary and depressing and everything else. As I've mentioned before, I used to live in Paris. Um, and, and so when I see France being destroyed by terrorists, you know, people who don't want to assimilate, they want, they don't want to learn French. They don't want to become, you know, French or, or to take over any of the culture of France. They want to destroy France. And um, it is really, you know, there's something going on every week. There's at least some, especially churches have been desecrated. I did a podcast about the um, Notre Dame attack, fire. Um, and I, I know that that was done by terrorists. And I explained that in my previous podcast. If you want to look it up, just look up the date of when no, there was the fire in Notre Dame and then look through the podcast to find um, a date near there to find my my podcast about it and I explain why I believe that it was terrorists who did it now so but currently the reason why I'm talking about France today is because there's a French clothing manufacturer who has developed anti-knife neck guards and other safeguards against beheading oh yes I was mentioning the uh, Quran before that the, the passage is quote when you meet when you meet the unbelievers strike their necks and that's in the quran 47 4 now um and so that's why you know uh lots of people um get uh and like the woman in the hotel she struck uh, the man who she lured to the hotel in his neck so anyhow, this French clothing manufacturer realized that um, there is a market for clothing, particularly neck guards, but also other kinds of clothing. They make uh, shirts and, and um, vests and jackets and umbrellas and, out of these different kinds of material that will protect the people uh, um, from knife attacks. And I would imagine they are doing very well. Now, this, this, um, uh, the, there's this, um, and it's made out of leather, um, but I'm sure it's like a specially treated leather to be stronger against the attacks. Now, leather decks, that word um, came from uh, a time in the 1700s when the Muslims would cut off the heads of the American newly formed Marine Corps. So they wore leather around the necks of their uniforms. This was at the height of the 18th century. Uh, Muslim pirates were the terror of the Mediterranean and a large area of the North Atlantic. They attacked every ship in sight and held the crews for exorbitant ransoms. There's a whole story connected that I might do a podcast more in detail about that but right now i just wanted to mention mention that there's even this market for for leathernecks for the clothing to protect you from knife attacks in france and i'm sure i'm sure it's selling more in places more than france i mean um yes to, i'm so that i'm sure even though the company is in france they're selling on they're online so they're selling to other places as well um now facebook uh 
Facebook has been caught not just hosting, but creating pages for ISIS and Al-Qaeda. There's a watchdog group called Tech Transparency Project. And this um, project examines, as you might imagine from its name, uh, technical organizations, technical companies, um, and they they study what is going on. And so they discovered that um, Facebook is doing this. So Facebook is now in hot water due to this technology that it uses to promote content. Um, it automatically creates homepages for U.S. designated terror groups. And the way they've created apparently over 100 pages for ISIS as well as pages for other terror organizations, including Al-Qaeda, the group who brought you the 9-11. Um, the way that this happens is, is that Facebook creates the pages based on its algorithm. They are automatically generated when users add the terror groups to their profiles. So the ban, you know, they supposedly had a ban on terror groups, but this did not prevent this automatic process that generated the terror group pages. Um, it was reported in the media, quote, some of these automatically generated pages have been living on Facebook for years, racking up likes and posts with terrorist propaganda and imagery. And the company could potentially be held responsible for these pages. I certainly hope that they do, that they are. Um, Biden's handlers release two jihadi brothers from Gitmo, Guantanamo, and send them home to Pakistan. Brilliant move. Two Pakistani brothers, Abdul and Mohammed Rabani, have been freed from Guantanamo after more than 20 years in detention. So Abdul Rabani was born in 19, at least they're, you know, on the older, <laughs> um, <laughs> They're on the older, they're older men. I don't know how to say this. Uh, Abdul was, was born in 1967. Okay. He's one of the oldest inmates at the facility. So maybe they figure he can't do much, but that's not true because they certainly have their experience and know what they did. Uh, he, in fact, was accused of working for avowed 9-11 mastermind Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. And he operated an Al-Qaeda safe house in Karachi. Now, I don't think that they forgot what they did or how to do it again. That his brother, Mohammed Rabani, was born in 1969. He's the younger, but he, he is accused of recruiting his older brother into extremist circles. Now, Mohammed organized travel and funds for Khalid Sheikh Mohammed and Abdal... Ab Al-Rahim Al-Nishiri, the mastermind of the October 20th suicide bombing of the USS Cole missile destroyer, and that left 17 U.S. sailors dead. They were arrested in Karachi in 2002 by Pakistani authorities, and their release now brings to 32 the number of detainees left. So there are only 32 detainees left in Guantanamo, but don't worry, Biden will let the others go free soon enough. Um, okay, then we have, last but not least, Al-Qaeda, lest you think that Al-Qaeda has given up or that there won't be another 9-11 or similar, uh, there is a new leader of, uh, of Al-Qaeda, his name is Saif al-Adel. He is a former Egyptian special forces officer and mastermind of several notorious terror attacks. He is now the uncontested leader of Al-Qaeda. He um, hasn't been officially named. Um, they, they haven't officially named a successor to Ayman al-Zawari, who was killed by a U.S. missile strike in Kabul last year as part of the, um, the disaster. I mean, that was the one good thing that happened. But as far as, as part of the chaos in Afghanistan, um, the, the mastermind of al-Qaeda was killed, the leader. Um, but now we have this new one, and he is called Sword of Justice. Um, He's ruthless. He's described as ruthless. 
he trained 9-11 hijackers. So we have, I mean, he could do it again, in other words. Um, he trained 9-11 hijackers, and he has taken over as the Al-Qaeda boss. boss. Uh, he named himself Sword of Justice. Um, he is on the FBI most wanted list. You can get $10 million if you can provide uh, information leading to his capture. He also oversaw the 1993 Black Hawk Down operation, as well as um, training the 9-11 hijackers. Um, his real name is Mohammed Salahuddin Zaydin, but he calls himself Saeed al-Adel uh, because that translates into, into Sword of Justice. Uh, he's about 60 years old. He's, his picture is on wanted posters, the, you know, the FBI most wanted terrorist posters. Um, he doesn't do, unlike the previous leaders, he doesn't maintain, hasn't yet maintained a high profile with videos um, on online threatening uh, America, but he planned attacks from the shadows and he was helped turn Al-Qaeda into the world's deadliest militant group. He's 62. And um, he was charged in 1998 by a U.S. federal grand jury for his role in the bomb attacks on the U.S. embassies in Tanzania and Kenya. He was linked to the killing of U.S. journalist Daniel Pearl in Pakistan in 2002. He was linked to the 1993 ambush of U.S. helicopters in Mogadishu. That's the Black Hawk Down incident. And he was also instrumental in the planning of the planes operation, the name used by Al-Qaeda for the Twin Towers terror attack on 9-11, the planes operation. Isn't that cute? A, uh, a nickname for 9-11. Um, let's see. Um, he's now, he is, he lived in Iran for a while. Um, he has a, he has a temper that is notorious. In happier times, he had a talent for soccer and practical jokes. Uh, he was once Osama bin Laden's chief bodyguard and senior trainer of militants. Um, he began his long bloody career in 1981 when he was suspected of involvement in the assassination by Islamist soldiers of Egyptian President Anwar al-Sadat during a military parade in Cairo. I mean, he has, he's got quite a CV. Um, now, unlike... Some insiders, not all insiders, are thrilled that he was is considered the leader. Some think that he's not equipped for leadership, although I don't know how you could say that with all the things that he has accomplished. But um, but the thing is that Al Qaeda is different now. You know, it's not it's not as concentrated as it was in those days when he was more of the leader or more involved with all of these things that I mentioned. So now what he needs to do, what his job is, is providing strategic guidance to um, Al Qaeda franchises in the Middle East and Africa and Asia. So um, we will see what he can, I'm sure we will see what he can do because you know that is quite a, quite a um, list, a long list of very dangerous um, accomplishments, very, very, you know, lots of dead people left in his wake. So um, I think that that is, I'm going to end with this because this should be a significant warning that we cannot feel that, um, that terrorists have stopped wanting to kill us. So thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm your psychiatrist host and the terrorist therapist, <laughs> Dr. Carol Lieberman.
If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.